1: Pop. welcome to switched on pop i'm songwriter charlie harding this is the second part of my look inside the secret world of songwriting camps in episode one we learned about the history of song camps and went inside a session to see how the sausage is made in part two, I'm sharing a conversation I hosted at the College of Performing Arts at the New School as part of Anti Social Camp 2023. It's the largest song camp in the world and it's working to revive the New York City songwriting scene. My goal for this conversation was to examine more closely the roles that each person fills in a session. There are producers who sit behind a console desk or computer and record, arrange, and craft the instrumental and track the vocal. Often they double as engineers who use their technical knowledge to select mics, set up signal chains, and ensure the best recording in the studio. Then there's the top liner, a singer who generates melodies on the fly, throwing ideas at the instrumental, looking for the best hooks. Often the top liner is also a songwriter who builds chords and lyrics to fit the top line melody. And then of course there's the artist who performs the song. I asked four luminaries to embody each one of these roles and break it down. Here's my conversation with producer engineer Alex Jume, top liner Wolf Tyler, songwriter, and Walk the Moon frontman, Nicholas Patrika, who you heard in episode one, and artist, Grace VanderWaal. So each of you fill many roles in the songwriting process, but today I want to artificially put you into specific roles. So we're talking about producers, engineers, top liners, songwriters, performers, You know, all of these roles can bleed together, but today we're gonna isolate them to see if we can maximize what we can learn from each role. So we're gonna begin with Alex Tume, who is a New York-based engineer and producer. He worked his way up through studio internships and wound up as the head of engineering and tech at DARP Studios, where he met Metro Boomin, which led to countless collaborations. He has worked with artists like T.I., Travis Scott, Young Thug, 21 Savage, Santigol, and Donald Glover, among many others. So, Alex, as you're going in to a producer engineering role in a session, how do you prepare working for an artist for the first time?
2: Especially like in the beginning of my career, I learned actually one of the, the main people I worked for was a producer, Ben Allen. He always said, people don't care when you're starting out who you are. They don't want to know you. They don't want to know anything. They want to see how prepared you are. And so every session I would bring... A mic for every kind of setup I needed. My first recording session ever, I knew I was working with a sax player, but he only wanted to produce on his laptop. But I set up drum mics, guitar mics, bass, and he made a whole song using everything in the studio just because I was prepared. And I think knowing the person you're working with and being ready to do whatever they want as an engineer or producer is really important. So what should the
1: role of the producer engineer be in the room?
2: For me, like especially like starting off, I'm always like a fly on the wall kind of reading the room, and I try not to like speak too much right away. And like day 1 everybody be like, "You were so quiet." And like day 2, I just won't shut up. <laughs> and it's like it's cuz I know kind of like what I, what's going to fly and what's not. It's like you don't want to like be too vocal and starting starting to like make it about you cuz you're not it's, it's a, it is a service job. You're there to like make something cool happen. And the only way that happens is if everybody's comfortable and the second you start to make people uncomfortable, the vibe's just gone. So it's always like, I'm always asking questions and like trying to get to know the person first. And then like day two, it's like, okay, now we can like have a lot more fun and like, I don't know, like a conversation about everything.
1: What are the expectations about how much of your own vision you're bringing to the room and how much you're just adapting to what's happening?
2: I think as like a engineer, first and foremost, I'm responding to like whatever the energy in the room is, and like when there seems to be a void, that's where I like put like the producer hat on, and I'm like, okay, it's time to fill this void, and time for me to like put a little bit more of myself into the record. And like in the beginning of my career, I did a lot of songwriting sessions. We did like a Usher song camp in Atlanta, where it was like two and a half weeks of just like every different producer coming through, and it, like one of the sessions, a producer came through and they thought I was like the main producer with all the beats. And they're like, what do you got for me? I was like, nothing. How'd that go? We were sitting there for a minute and I was like, "You know what do we, What do we do? Like we should do something here because they're waiting. They're going to come through in like <laughs> four hours and be like, where's the song? While we're waiting for his producer to come in, he starts beatboxing, singing guitar parts. And we made harmonies. So it would sound more like a guitar, distorted it, ended up using that on the record. It sounded great by the end of it. Like the producer came in, like replaced some of the beatboxing with like actual drums. So we kept a lot of the original stuff. And like it was a crazy, stressful session, like arranging like fake drums to sound like drums and fake guitar to sound like guitar. But like it's one of those situations where like you kind of just got to make the best of it. And it actually ended up sounding like something cool because you're just ready to make it work.
1: Do you have any specific qualities you feel make a great producer engineer in a songwriting session? I feel like I did try my hand at being an artist or being in a band and like doing
2: all that stuff. And I I feel like I'm not great at starting from zero, but I am really good at starting from like 80% and being like, okay, this is an idea. Let's finish it. This is what we could do to make it 100%. And I feel like that's like my best quality as an engineer. It's like, I see the finish line as long as you give me the starting
1: point. That's a magical quality. I think a lot of people like can take it to 80%. That last part is very hard.
2: Uh, Yeah. I I mean, it'd be nice to start be able to start at zero, but
1: you know, I'll take 80%. So producer engineer role. We also in session have the top line and I want to introduce Wolf Tyler who grew up in Queens and is based in Manhattan. She's worked on songs for artists like Megan Thee Stallion, LMA, and in 2020 released her debut EP, Wolf in Color, that blends R and B and K-pop into her own style. Her second EP, Trustfall, arrived in March. And amongst her many talents as a songwriter and performer, today I want to specifically talk to Will Tyler about the top line. So, why is the top line so essential in the songwriting session?
3: I feel like the top line in the song is so essential because that's what people dance to. That's what they remember. So I personally love to start off with just melodies. I think the melody for me, when I hear something on the radio, it's like, can I remember that jingle? And then from there, after the melody, I love to write on top of it.
1: How do you know you have a great top line? What, what are the qualities of a great
3: top line? when I leave the session and I'm still singing it as if it's not even my own, then I'm like, ooh, that's fire. And then also I always love to have people that I trust and I love and value their opinion in the studio. So if they're like, ooh, that's the one, sometimes I'll have like imposter syndrome. I think it happens to all of us as like creatives and artists. So if they're like, yeah, like I think that's the one I'm like, okay. so I'll just keep on kind of pushing with that idea.
1: What do you feel like you need from your collaborators to get the best work out of you?
3: I think I need just honesty, support. And just being open when holding space. I think music for sure, like when top lining and just being in the studio in general is a really spiritual process, at least for me. So I just like to make sure that the environment's always just feel safe.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of the more vulnerable parts because you oh, literally I'm just really have to vulnerable. spit out random things. Yeah. It might not always be pleasant. You might make sounds that are unusual. Mm -hmm. Especially
3: if you're collaborating with like another artist and they have a certain style. Like I always love for them to open up that conversation before even just throwing top lines at them, but really just opening up the space of like, hey, like, how has life been going? Like, what kind of mood are you in? Um, And I think from there, you get a lot of ideas just flowing. And when it's with a songwriter and an artist, things just become really comfortable in that way, too.
1: Well, what what about like at the stage in a session? You know, oftentimes people are shooting the breeze for a while. They play some music. How much inspiration do you need? Going like, does there need to be a backing track? Does there need to be? What is like the the right amount and not too much so that you can freely improvise and find melodies?
3: I think um, when I'm working with producers, I usually tell them, you know. Don't put on something that you might think that I would like to get on. Just just put any type of track on. And then from there, I think inspiration-wise, like I always love to save in my notes just one-liners. times that I run out of ideas, I always go back to my notes of things that I might feel like I could kind of grab inspiration from. I also use a lot of my Twitter drafts. Um, uh, like the tweets that I don't use, um, the tweets that I don't push out into the world, I always just save them. So I kind of use it in that way too. And then I also have a lot of just saved ideas in my notes, like the voice note app. So I'll like sometimes like listen to them a little bit and somehow try to implement it onto whatever beat that they're using.
1: What do you think it is about having Twitter drafts that turns into good songs? Like that's, that's very unusual sounds unusual to yeah, me. Yeah, really? No uh, one does I would that? never turn anything I tweet into a song. What is there in a draft?
3: I like to keep things very private. So there are things in the heat of the moment that I don't know if anyone has ever posted and deleted. I am like a huge post and delete person. So I was like, you know what? Let me just start writing things and then saving it. And... I have literally probably over 200 plus Twitter drafts that I'm like, I'm so happy that I have not posted and tweeted those things because someone will definitely screenshot those things. But somehow they have really formed into really great song ideas or hook ideas.
1: There's something about those things that we want to post and delete where you're operating in perhaps the most uncomfortable, vulnerable place. It makes sense that maybe it doesn't work in a short number of characters, but if you expand it out into full song, you can explore that uncomfortable emotion, right. that gray space. How do you approach top lining for somebody else?
3: I approach top lining from somebody else by... Opening up the conversation with their feeling first. I also do like research on who I'm going into the studio with and making sure that I know what kind of songs they came out with just to like make them feel comfortable in that way too. Just cause again, it is a really vulnerable process. So I think I would have them tell me what feeling that they're feeling, what they ideally want to talk about. Some people go in the studio and they say, hey, I just want to write a hit. How do you From, respond to that? I'd be like, okay, let's let's try to bounce back some ideas. So we'll brainstorm some ideas, some topics may come up, something relatable. So like love, pain, what else is relatable? I don't know. <laughs> I, I just feel like... Love and but, pain. <laughs> but I feel like
1: that is the, like, the, the the ultimate pressure. Like, let's just make a hit. Right. Right? So, so like, I, how do you translate going from, all right, and then we're like, all right, we got love, pain, big ideas. Do you have any techniques that you like to use to get to, like, the more meaningful emotion?
3: I don't know. When, like, a artist says that they want to write a hit, that is where I kind of, like, tilt my head and I'm like, oh, God, okay. Like, that is a really high expectation. But I think... What anyone would kind of consider a hit is like if that artist themselves loves it, then I think even just having the conversation of being really transparent, being like, yeah, like you want a hit, but like, let's, let's really tap into like what you want to talk about. And you're in um, therapist mode. Yeah. Like going to therapist mode. Exactly. That's what I do. And I think that has been pretty successful, at least for me.
1: I feel like it's a good transition to go from top lying into into the songwriting process. And I want to feature Nicholas Patrika. He is the leading voice and founder of the pop rock band Walk the Moon, which emerged from Cincinnati, Ohio with their first hit Anna Sun in twenty twelve and took over the radio in twenty fourteen with their song Shut Up and Dance. He also co-writes with other artists, including Kaigo, Whitecliffe Sean, Maddion. Nicholas, what are the qualities of a great co-writer in a session?
4: Like jawline. Mm, uh, yeah. Six pack. I'm not making eight it. pack if you can ima- if you can manage that. Hi guys. Hey y'all. Nice to see you. Um, what's the question? Answered. <laughs> What do you want out of a uh, out of a co
1: writer? Like what? How do you know that you found a great person to write
4: with? Mm. It's kind of like on tour. They say that tour is like ten percent music, ninety percent hang. And I think that creating a, a fun environment can be really important and can be a skill actually to hone. You know, what, what do you
1: do? Do you bring a ball pit? Like what? How do you make fun? <laughs>
4: I don't know. You know, it's it's a little it's a little mysterious because sometimes, you know, just different personalities are going to uh, meld or, or not in, in different ways. But I think just I think just being open and curious, kind of like everyone's been saying so far, just like coming with a, with an open open spirit and and and, a, and responsive. You know, yeah. I just I think of curiosity. I think of just being uh like present present to what's alive in the room.
1: So you got to start things off, you're having fun, you're vibing, but at some point you need to get to work and you're writing a song. Mm-hmm. How do you know when you sort of cross that line and it's like, all right, we're going to focus and work really hard on this thing?
4: Yeah, I- I'm usually the one who like wants to jump in right away and, uh, and, and maybe I could, could be more in the, the hang uh, a, little, a little longer to get people comfortable. <laughs> I keep losing track of the question. It's that red eye <laughs> I just just flew in. What, seriously, help yeah, me like, with the what question. Are the, what, <laughs> what are
1: the signs? Like, Okay, so you like to jump right in and get to work. Yes. But when do you know amongst your other collaborators that, okay, this is the moment that we focus on that thing right there?
4: I think like creating conversation, creating a space where an- anyone in the room, but especially the artist can can speak about maybe what's alive for them, what's going on in, in their life. I know for me, when, when I'm the artist, I-, I try to lean into, even when it's a little uncomfortable, I try to lean into sharing whatever has been on my heart and um, because there's just there's just so much juice i mean song we're just writing songs about life right we're just channeling human life into into some you know two or three minute m- magical things so i think just o- opening that space and and like inviting that conversation
1: oftentimes we're entering into a songwriting session meeting a whole group of people for their very first time
4: yeah it's so weird and you're <laughs>
1: saying you just pour out whatever's going on for you. How, how, how do you cultivate that capacity to, uh, hey, random person, like you don't want to do this on the subway. If you do this on the subway, it doesn't always go well. Uh, people will not want to sit next to you. How do you cultivate being able to be open amongst people who you are meeting for the very first time to make a great songwriting yeah, session?
4: You know, you, you just can't expect it to work every time, to be honest. Like it's, it is a strange process. Like I'm going to go with two or three people I've never met before and do like the most intimate thing that I can think of. Like you know, besides, like sex, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's it. (laughs) Like, is there anything more intimate than creating art with someone? I literally, I don't know. Like cross country road trip, probably, but (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. Like, like it's it's really it's really really intimate. So for me, I, I I feel like I can really pick up when someone has like a reverence for that. And it's not necessarily like something you do. It's a way of being. It's a context you hold, I, I would say, or a, a context that I, to make it personal, a context that I hold is, you know, this is, it's a sacred space. And I want to, I want to serve. Like, we're there, like, yes, we're all there to win. And really, but really, my context is to, is to serve. It's to serve the song that's being created. It's to serve the, the artist that's there and to serve the others in the room and, and being in that space of like what, like what wants to be alive here and how do I support what's, you know, what, what, what wants to be created.
1: Can you tell me about a time when it was going very poorly and you found a way to turn around the energy? It's mm, kind of like sure. being on a bad date and you somehow recover it. Maybe
4: not that it was going bad. I was in a session the other day and there's definitely a, a there, you can get really far down the rabbit hole, like on lyrics. I, I find like I could, I could, gibberish melodies for days but sometimes lyrics i'm just like you know you can you can go around in circles and circles to try and nail the the perfect lyric or even just nail something that works at all and i could feel we we'd spent i don't know 45 minutes or an hour on this one section just lyrically and it wasn't going anywhere which happens and you know this isn't some, something so totally revolutionary, but we're just like, let's work on a different section. You know, like let's jump to something else, and that suddenly there was inspiration there, and it informed the section that was tough. You know, so just, just taking, you know, taking your focus off, like backing up. I think, I think, um, I think it, it's it's an easy, an easy way to get stuck is just like, zooming in really far. I mean, sometimes those details are really important, and I I love to like get get like the tiniest carving tool and like, you know, get really, really specific and zooming out can, can help a lot. (laughs) There's a, there's a, I was in a session with uh, Sam Hollander. He's not here in the room, is he? Okay. No, he, but he's going to be here this week. He's awesome. Awesome guy. Awesome songwriter. We, we co-wrote a song called uh, Rise Up on Walk the Moon's last record. And he had a, a, a trick that I really liked That was um, like if you have a section of the song and it's just like not working, like sing another song, like a popular song over top of that and like see where it leads you. Like sing Thriller over top of this section and suddenly like, oh, like I forgot melodies can do this and like that sounds interesting over this chord. And, you know, you won't, you're not going to, it's like you're safe from plagiarism. You're not going to rewrite Thriller. You're just, it's just going to lead you somewhere different. So that's that's just that's been a trick that I've I've kept.
1: What is your feeling about listening to music in the room and sort of where the boundaries of inspiration and the concerns of copying can can lead you? How do you how do you mitigate that? Well,
4: are there any new ideas? I don't know. Um so in, in a way we're all safe because because it's like, you know, you saw the whole Ed Sheeran thing like the second I heard that Ed Sheeran song, I was like, "Oh, well, that's that's uh, that's Marvin Gaye," but it is still totally different. You know, it, it just there's there's an essence there, and I, I think that many many days you're probably gonna write something or more than one thing that like reminds you of something else but that's not necessarily a bad thing I think I think everyone in the room can feel it when it's like oh we're just stealing right now <laughs> yeah you know yeah yeah I, I think I think it's I think everyone can tell when it's when it's too close and also it's like how boring is that that's like the least interesting thing like nobody wants to do that I think everyone wants to have have just like a a glimmer of reinvention right something that's that does feel new and never been done before Uh, somehow i mean i just like praise praise be to the gods that like somehow music feels new every time i don't know how that's possible with 12 notes you know but that's that's a miracle
1: Okay, uh, last question is sort of uh, the same and opposite. When you're co-writing for somebody else, when it's not going to be you as a performer, how do you approach your co-write differently, uh, trying to match whatever the vibe of that performer is?
4: I think it's really important that the artist is sort of like the tip of the spear. That human being is the one who's going to be performing that song, who's going to be going to radio stations at 9 a.m. and like singing this song. And it needs to be, it needs to feel authentic coming from their being coming from their voice and again you know the idea of being in service i think it's just really important to be in service to that and if you get up against two ideas and you like them fairly equally go with the one the artist wants the artist is the one that's going to bring it to life so their their voice is uniquely important in the room for that reason
1: So let's transition to the role of the performer in the session. Grace Van Der stole the hearts of the nation when she won America's Got Talent at just 12 years old. I know, know and, name. and went from singing on YouTube to collaborating with songwriting giants like Ryan Tedder and Greg Wells. She released her debut album just at the beginning in 2017, and today she's gonna share her experience as a performer in a songwriting session. Grace, you started writing songs I saw at three years old.
5: Oh, so dumb. No, I mean, <laughs> All right. Well, people love to say that, guys. I was like making up little jingles. They were like, she's Mozart writing. No, no, no.
1: What changed for you from being, a, you know, writing songs to yourself as a kid to all of a sudden entering the pop songwriting world? What were some of the things that you weren't expecting to see that happens in a session different from how you wrote on your own?
5: You know, it's, it's kind of tough for me because I, I almost feel like I grew up doing this. I mean, I I came off of AGT and was immediately signed to a label and they had this publicity plan for me, you know, because they wanted to push me. So they like threw me into writing sessions. So like I've been going to writing sessions till, till, uh, since I was probably like 12 years old I remember I had only written that one song for America's God. It was like the first song that I actually like decided to write down. Mm -hmm. Everything else was I was just I pretended I was in a movie because I am very dramatic little girl. And anyway, I remember on the show they were like, now you do original songs like now this is your shit. So I was writing them before each performance and I only had those. So, yeah, I don't really know how to answer that question, I guess. Sorry, that was a really shitty answer. That's
1: great. (laughs) As a performer, you've gotten to be in so many different sessions. What are the qualities that you want in your collaborators?
5: I would say after just a while of doing this, I think the biggest thing that you always have to remember is that this industry is such a privilege that we get to work creatively and we don't have to be serious. We're like one of the only jobs that we can do that. So... I think just have fun, become friends with the people you work with. And every single time when that happens, definitely good things come out of it, you know?
1: What do you like about writing collaboratively with other people? And what do you not like so much? Like, when is it not working for you?
5: I think we all have our safe crutches that we tend to fall into that you just can't control. Like, I have a few notes. Sometimes when I listen to all my songs, I realize I kind of sing the same thing with like the same chords every single time. So it's always great to have someone else in the room that brings a refreshing mind into it where they because their mind works differently than mine so like their melodies are wired differently so i might say something and then they might be like okay but let's do it this because this is what i'm hearing and then i'm like oh shit, yeah i like didn't hear that
1: do you feel you need to protect that though i mean sometimes having your own melodic well, yeah. uh, sensibility is really important like i've studied ad nauseum the melodies of Taylor Swift and you can identify totally. similar moves across similar chords across all the albums and that creates an identity.
5: Yeah, yeah, I would definitely yeah, yeah I would definitely say keep your identity, but I would also say uh, probably the one thing you learn to like master in, in like, it sounds so pretentious, in this industry is to say no and to be chill with it. It's not really a big deal, but like pick and choose when you're like, yeah, no, I kind of like what I got. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, but sometimes it is better. And just, yeah.
1: <laughs> do you ever do you ever have experience in a songwriting session where things were going great and then they turned terribly? What are th- what are some of the things that can kill a session?
5: I don't think it can turn terrible, but definitely sometimes it's going great, and then you just the song gets stumped. Like I can't say how many songs have been really great and we're like vibrant. Like it's like we're in it. And then all of a sudden it's stale and the song can never be revived. Like once it passes that threshold, like I've had songs that I revisit like three weeks later, like let's check up on that idea. You never can get it back. Like it's just dead, but there's no other, yeah, I would say that's the worst thing. That
1: so it's out. not worth it to struggle through a thing, which is just a brick wall.
5: I, I'm a giver upper. I, I say <laughs> 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 after a while, <laughs> <laughs> after a while you gotta just let it rest that idea was to be you know let's work on something else
1: Practi- practically when you when it's time to give up what do you say and how do you keep going because i say you. let it
5: die let it <laughs> die like especially when because sometimes they can be really even people i work with can be like oh wait but really i'm like no dude there's no there's no bringing it back is there a time
1: that worked really well for you where the like kill the song and then something came up where. Oh
5: yeah. Something better always comes up or it doesn't, but
1: <laughs> do you have a specific example that you you can recall?
5: Uh, I, I, you know, I think sometimes it's just a good, sometimes it's almost like an exercise warming up because I would say most of the time that happens in like newer sessions or sometimes during lunch breaks, you can make songs about like sushi rolls or something, and like.
1: Who would think that writing a song about a sushi restaurant would be a good idea? Dude, but... I once started
5: <laughs> writing a song about a subway sandwich because I was eating it, and we were just like riffing, and then it turned into like a song about like my childhood. And it's like turned like very vulnerable, so like playing. I would just say playing around can definitely like lead to good places, for sure.
1: As the performer, what do you feel is your responsibility in setting the vibe of the room? Do you have certain things you like to do to help set the stage?
5: Yeah, I would say it was really interesting, you know, hearing you guys talk and and hearing how people in the room read energy, because I would say as a performer, I definitely off the rip feel that. Like, when I walk into a session with new people, I can definitely tell they're feeling out who I am as an artist. So I try to almost overcompensate and really Let them know this is chill, this is fun. You know, I don't need 500 green M&Ms. Like, let's have a good time, be friends, you know?
1: Do you have things in your back pocket ready to go?
5: Yes. What What you you were saying about the voice memos, for sure. This week, I have voice memos in my phone that I've been preparing. I was just in a taxi, and I, like, came up with this song in my mind, but I was really embarrassed because I didn't want to be, like, "Mm -hmm," like, in front of him. Like, come on. That's a little too like I'm a songwriter, and so I was just like I was like don't forget it, don't forget it, and I was just saying it over and over in my mind, and that's my story. And then I made a voice memo. <laughs> so
1: that voice memo, that voice memo, is ready to go as something that might happen this week. Oh
5: yeah, it's it's ready to go. It's locked and loaded. I'm excited.
1: Maybe as a way of wrapping up, I want I would love to ha- hear from each of you one more time, offering some word of wisdom about how to go off into the week. Something that you can all bring to your sessions. It could be. Deep sage wisdom, or it could be very small and practical. But one thing each that you'd like to all uh, share, and we'll and we'll start back with Alex, and we'll go back through.
2: There's a lot of songwriters in here, but from my perspective, it's always one preparedness and like being ready for anything. But also, like for me, I'm the like rock in the room. I'm there to make you feel more comfortable. So I feel like for anybody that's in my position, it's just make everybody feel more comfortable because you, it's your job to be like the safety, the safe area. It's like this person's going to hit record. The music's going to sound good. And that's like the foundation for the session. And everybody else, knowing that's the truth, can then go and create. Don't bully so, your collaborators. Yeah, don't bully and just be, be like the safest person in the room, I think, when you're, when you're the technical person, I guess.
1: Thank you, Alex. We'll tie
3: I think if I can offer one piece of advice, this might sound so crazy, but as a top liner or even just a performer or anyone in the room, I've learned at least this week to do things outside of even just being an artist and outside of being a creative and a top liner. So I would say make sure you're really getting those experiences even outside of the studio because a lot of the magic happens actually outside of the studio to then bring it in.
4: Nicholas. Two things are present for me. One, something that Grace just said about just playing, being playful. I want to double subscribe on that. Like, you know, we were, we were talking about create a conversation, create a safe space where the artist can open up and talk about, you know, maybe they don't want to do that. And also music is like just a bit of fun, you know, so.
1: I really have this vision that you come with like a bag of tricks and toys and yo-yos and like <laughs> juggling.
4: I know this is not true, but this is what I'm Spiritually, picturing. yes. So, so playfulness. And the other thing, the other thing is also switching up the energy, it it really like whether it's like working on another section or walking outside or like putting on a stupid video, you know, YouTube video or something, just like switching it up and just like refreshing, like hitting refresh is, is uh, it's, it can be priceless. Yeah. Yeah. Physical
1: movement's very important. You're all going to be working in small spaces in New York City, so get up, move your body. It's important.
4: Totally. Totally. Grace?
5: I would say just keep it light, keep it fun, have a good time with it, and um, respect every dimension of the music. It's all part of a great song, so just hear people out, and I don't know, we're privileged to be here, so... Have a good
1: time. Thank you all. Will you please join me in saying thank you to all of our guests? I really appreciate it. Thank you, Alex, Nicholas, you. Grace, Wolf Tyler. Thank you very much. Switched on Pop is produced by Rana Cruz, edited by Art Chung, engineered by Brandon McFarland, illustrations by Iris Gottlieb, community management by Abby Barr, and executive produced by Nishat Karwa, a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network, and a production of Vulture. If you missed part one, go check it out anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, switchedonpop.com, where we have some really fun merch. We got t shirts, we got mugs, we got funny hats with all kinds of music innuendo. Again, you can find all of that at switchedonpop.com, and we're on social media at switchedonpop. Join us again on Tuesday when we'll be discussing the midlife crisis of two of the biggest artists working today. And until then, thanks for listening.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.